Just before we start the show, I wanted to remind you about this year's London Vet Show, which is at the Excel Arena on Thursday the 12th and Friday the 13th of November, and as ever, promises to be a brilliant event. I went to the vet show for the first time last year to record these podcasts, and I wondered why the heck I'd missed it before. Our lovely friends at the Vet Show are offering Borborygamy listeners a fantastic 10% off via a special link, which is, ready, london.vetshow.com forward slash borborygamy hyphen booking. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it's in the show notes. So just hit the link there and book your tickets today with the code LVS20. Thanks to London Vet Show. Hi there, and welcome to Borborygmy, Noises from the Veterinary Profession, a new podcast that lets you overhear conversations between veterinary professionals about anything and everything that's topical in the industry. This season, we'll be bringing you a range of chats recorded at the London Vet Show, featuring a wide range of friends and colleagues discussing their thoughts on some of the triumphs and tribulations encountered by those in the veterinary industry. Borborygmy is a collaboration between the London Vet Show, Vet Times, Vets Stego Diversify and Smashing the Ceiling. Thank you so much to everyone involved so far for your help and support. It has been much appreciated. Today's conversation features Adrian Nelson-Pratt and Sean McCormack. You'll probably quickly realise from their jokes that the two of them are great friends, having known one another well for some years now, since Sean was the student rep for Hills Pet Foods at Dublin University and Adrian was the Hills Veterinary Affairs Manager. Sean has followed that path and is now the head vet for Tails.com, a bespoke online pet food company. And following many years in veterinary industry, Adrian is now an independent business consultant and personal performance coach. Here they touch on their career journeys, mental health, and why a life in industry is working for them. You'll hear Sean first. The reason I guess I asked Adrian would he do this with me, because we do have quite a overlap or a shared experience in terms of career. So I've moved into nutrition too. I would like to say Adrian's like an amazing role model, and that's why. <laughs> but actually, we had quite a, a bit of a shared experience of clinical practice experienced I would say it's fair to say the six-year burnout phase or boredom phase and um, started thinking about what else to do and uh, one of the things that I found really interesting and quite moving I've seen you do a talk before Adrian where you said actually your move into hills and into industry saved your life yeah so uh, saved my career at at least saved my career my veterinary career so I spent six years in small animal practice and I was completely frazzled and burnt out and I couldn't have gone to another vet practice and said hey look employ me I'd be great for your business because I wouldn't and so I randomly well somewhat randomly applied for a job at Hills Pet Nutrition as a vet advisor and instantly in the interview process recognized a business that had core values a cool office a really nice team working attitude and through the interview process um, was fortunate to be offered the job and that literally saved my veterinary career and saved me from, I think, what would have been in clinical practice, a fairly inevitable decline into um, clinical mental illness of some farm. And it, with the retrospectoscope, I probably was way over the line for clinically depressed, but actually not recognized in dealing with that. I think I was pretty similar, actually. 
you know, and had been to the doctor a few times. And I think the like light bulb moment of I've been coping or struggling for quite some time, but like not really acknowledging it was being in the doctor's office about my stomach and then suddenly bursting into tears about I'm not coping and I can't stand my going into work and, you know, doing this day to day and certainly looking forward doing it like for the rest of my career seemed like a desperate place to be and I knew no other way out. And the veterinary identity that we acquire during our years of studying to be vets and at college and then this, I knew how I didn't want to run a practice and I knew how I didn't want to be as a person in practice, but I'd never seen a good model for doing it. And at that point, Hills came along and I found a corporate environment. But to this day, my mum still says, when are you going to be a real vet? Yeah, there's that pressure, isn't there? Like I've, One of the things that held me back in making that decision to leave clinical practice was this self-imposed judgment but also like perceived judgment from others of you're not going to be a vet anymore oh isn't it a waste that you spent all those years studying and now you're not going to be a vet anymore but like again with the retrospective outlook it's like you are still a vet we have amazing privilege we have amazing abilities we have amazing competencies that we develop as vets in practice if we go into practice when we graduate but I can do what I do today without having been a vet for some time beforehand and the classic question I come up against in coaching is what course do I need to do to learn a new skill to actually be useful outside of vet world and the answer is actually once you think about your skills with a non-veterinary take the word vet out of that so what's your experience of the transition out of practice then Sean? Um, It was definitely difficult I mean the the biggest difficulty was making that decision in the first place so before even you know transitioning into an industry role making that decision was the hardest part but my health was suffering my mental health was definitely suffering um, and it was the right move but definitely intimidating to go into something that you've never really done before it's a totally different environment you're working with you're working with non-vet people um, you know and maybe you're the only one with veterinary the veterinary outlook or veterinary experience anywhere you go um, and I think there was definitely a um, difficult three-month cycle uh, maybe six months and 12 months too but the three-month cycle when I started at tails.com the first month was whoa, this is how other people work. Uh, You know, I can actually go home at home time. Um, That's novel. And um, there's a drinks trolley on a Friday. We can't do that in practice either. So some of those novelty things of like, you know, managing my diary and like things that you just don't do that other people take for granted working in an office job. The second month was, um, oh my God, imposter syndrome hits and I have to do all this work and I should be up to speed on the business now and be able to, perform in my role and starting to get more responsibilities and there was definitely imposter syndrome thinking have I made the right choice or am I cut out to do this and the third month was kind of a bit more stress and a bit like oh god now I'm in the thick of it and I'm having to perform and I don't think I'm good enough and then slowly after the third month I think I kind of got the hang of it I got to know my colleagues and peers how to work with them I got to know how that kind of business works because all I'd done previously was clinical veterinary practice which is a whole little ecosystem of its own that that only we understand Um, so there was definitely a a steep learning curve and an adjustment period uh, with a few wobbles along the way of had I made the right decision I don't think they ever go away because there's always the little imposter sitting on your shoulder so right now I'm building a business from scratch running my own business as the coaching business and you know I'm responsible to me and my family for every single thing that works and you know if I don't work I don't earn Whereas in the corporate world, 
But the recognition within a large corporation is such that you have core skills and you're employable and the business wants you, so they're going to work with you to find a job you can do. But if I got sick today, everybody in my family is reliant upon me to do that. So there's an imposter going, quit it, the business isn't growing quickly enough, you're not making enough money, get a real job. But you know, you kind of have to have the faith knowing what you know about building a business to say, do you know what? Two years from now, we'll be fine. Sean, what do you reckon are the key things that business people who aren't vets are looking for when they want to employ vets? I think what they, to turn around a little bit, what they're impressed by when they're hiring vets and what they maybe didn't realize is we're amazingly trained in communicating uh, complex ideas and um, difficult messages. Um, we're, as you know, for the most part, we're good at reading people and um, working out how best to work alongside people. Um, we're organized, we work well under pressure, you know, we have a lot of transferable skills that can go into any job and any role. Um, but I think the biggest thing is communication. I think we're, we're second to none on that because we're dealing with that in clinical practice, you know, day in, day out, talking to different types of people, lots of different messages. Um, and it's a skill that you build up. And I think we're like massively employable. Most people who kind of come to me and say, oh, I'm thinking of leaving clinics, but I don't know about my CV or what can I do? And, you know, if I have a look at their CV, it's kind of like, I did routine spays and castrates and I'm proficient in blah, 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 surgical skills and I can do a TPLO. That's not what you want to put on your CV. What you want to put on your CV is that you can manage a busy surgery day, you can manage teams, you can organize and structure your day effectively, you can, you know, you can manage client expectations, you can you know, um, do all of the things that actually aren't really vet-related but other businesses would really value, value those skills. So when I do career development coaching for people building cvs and building transferable skills is one of the things and sometimes it's like drawing blood from a stone getting vets to think about their key skills and their competencies but without using the word veterinary because they are there you can just reframe them so you spend a lot of time reframing them and i think as problem solvers and clearly they want vets with veterinary skills to do technical jobs regulatory jobs product development jobs um to talk vet to vet in sales teams that clearly that that veterinary background is important but i think if you're thinking of an industry role seriously think about where that career path could take you see for me for example that went through a field-based role then a slip disc into a technical regulatory role and then from a technical regulatory role into a marketing role and then eventually after nearly 10 years with some extra training into a pure commercial role and i think if we are happy that the skill set is as broad as we can let it be we can you know there are ceo vets of gas companies out there and you know uh, novartis people who run big corporations who happen to be vets and that i think the biggest thing for me was at a hills event where the ceo said i love employing vets but i don't want vets who happen to be business people i want business people who happen to be vets and i think there's a mindset change when you realize the corporate world or the business world might be for you, that actually the vet will always be part of your identity, but it's not your core skill anymore. No, and we get, I think we spend so much time being vets, just vet, 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 vet. And I think that's part of the reason a lot of vets experience burnout, because we go into clinical practice in a culture that is, you work long hours, you are often socially isolated, you are often even isolated from your team if you're consulting all day. Um, and if you have nothing else, if you haven't 
developed or kind of um, embraced other things that you enjoy in your life that are non-veterinary related, of course you can feel like I need to get out of veterinary in some way because you feel trapped in it, you feel immersed in it, you, you can't, can't switch plan, off. Yeah, you can't plan your way out of that. You have to get out there and experience it and find a spark that says, actually, I could see myself doing this instead. So, you know, you have to plan your way out, not educate your way out. You don't need another course. It's very rare that you need to do another course to get out of that. But you do need to think about how you do it and how you allow your brain to adjust. Because there is this, as Sean has said, three to four months where you're going to feel like the imposter because you are. You're in, you're in an unusual place for a vet, but they want you there. They employed you. They've given you a job to do. And if you start to think about your transferable skills, you'll do fine. Thanks for listening. I'm Naomi Mella, vet and host of Smashing the Ceiling. You may have heard a little bit of me in these episodes or the fabulous Sophie Walsh also a vet and full-time science documentary maker who co-hosted these sessions with me. We'd love you to rate and review the podcast or tell a friend if you enjoyed it. And we'll be back next week with another episode.